All right, we're continuing a series um, talking about the, uh, the God experience. And uh, over the last few weeks, we've been covering seven realities that accompany uh, your journey with God as you recognize and then walk in the calling that God has. And these, these realities are like holes in a bucket. And if the bucket is the depth of your calling and your ability to follow God's calling for your life, then the lowest hole with a, where the water pours out is the level you need to work on. And so we've looked at things like uh, faith, just the, the raw confidence to rely on God. We've looked at the personal relationship he invites us to and our invitation last week to, walk, to work with God. And today we're looking at this thing which could be as benign and boring as a word called guidance or it can be as thrilling and as exciting as the concept of God actively engaging with you in all sorts of ways, visually, in a sensory way, audibly, all to guide and give you assignments from moment to moment in your day. And depending where you lie on the spectrum of, of faith and uh, desire for experience of God um, will depend how excited you get about that and how much of that you experience. Um, but I've found really, uh, and if you look at the book of Acts particularly, the guidance, specific guidance of God on our life really forms a highlight reel um, of the book of Acts. And certainly when I start telling all the stories from my logbook of life, you know, it's, it's those moments of the audible voice of God or the miraculous intervention or the, the big, you know, stark, obvious ways that God guides that really make up that reel. But we've all, we've all got another reel as well, which is the subtle whispers of God, the leadings, the promptings. They all qualify in what it means to be um, receiving God's guidance moment by moment in our life. Some of us will probably struggle theologically with that idea, and that's fine too. We're all on a bit of a journey. Some of us will wonder, well, is this valid at all? Um, surely the Bible only is our tool, and we're going to look a little bit at, at topics like that today. But in Micah 4.2, God says directly, it says, God will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his path. So his agenda is very clear. He wants to speak and teach into our lives so that we know how to walk in the paths that he has for us. And he not only talk, talks about where he wants us to walk, we'd all love to know where God wants us to be at any, at any time, wouldn't we? But he, he looks at, at how we are to take the journey. So it's not just the way, it's the how. He wants to speak into our life um, probably more often than we realise about how to do that. Now, I recognise there's a bucket of the bookended challenges and, and victories mixed in with this whole topic, and I, would, I literally would love to spend, I, I figured it out when I was doing this message, I struggled with this one, not just because I had a busy week, but because this is really an eight-message series we could do on, uh, on hearing the voice of God, how do we do that in a safe way, a powerful way, what are the voices of God, what are, the, what are his languages to us, and so on. How do we be theologically correct and spiritually powerful all at the same time, which is the normal Christian life? So I'm going to try to bring some of these things in together in a brief way today, but, but focus on one thing towards the, the end. But the challenges that we have is that much of us experience, if we're honest, uh, an ambiguity and uncertainty at times. Is God speaking to me? Did I just hear right? You know that feeling where you go, I think, I think the Lord's been guiding me, but I can't pin it on the wall. And so we, we, we realise the tension of this. Is this God speaking? Is it me speaking? Is it circumstance? What is that? So we, this is a normal part of life to navigate. Uh, sometimes the reality is, and, and um, I could do a show of hands on this one, is how many people have experienced through their life over the years and decades a degree of profound disappointment in the sense where they sensed God had led them, sometimes quite clearly, uh, into a circumstance or a ministry or a, a pathway in their life, and somehow it all went very bad. Somehow... God is good and his leading is always true, but something happened, he turned left, we turned right, whatever happened along the process, 
this thing went a bit scattered on us and we don't know what happened there and it leaves us unsure where do we place our faith anymore. You know, we, we look back and go, was I hearing God there? Because it really turned out not so great. Uh, what part did I play in that? You know, how does this whole thing work? And it can serve if we're not confident to rob us of our faith in some way. And some of us may have just experienced prolonged periods in our life where we just don't feel like we've heard God's guidance at all. And we wonder, why is that? Um, and there are, there are actually some good reasons for that. Um, some of them in our hands, some of them in the Lord's hands. But mixed with those challenges it's, it's the victories that we have and that highlight reel that we get where God has unmistakably spoken clearly and it's life-changing and a timely word of knowledge. I don't know whether you've had this over your life, but just when you needed his, his clarity, just when you needed uh, some confidence to come back in your life, God speaks. Someone might come to you and just say, look, I really sense out of the blue, the Lord is saying this to you. And you go, man, you, that's just got me back on course. My faith is back. My clarity's back. And off I go. And suddenly that which yesterday looked impossible now is, it looks inevitable. Uh, it's just the word of God. Sometimes even in the midst of the most difficult situations, if God is speaking in there, you can endure anything. You can have faith for anything as long as you know that you're hearing the Lord's voice through that. And that clear guidance gives us real courage right in the midst of any situation. So before I, I get too deep, I want to give a brief foundation which really is one or two messages on its own. So please forgive the, the, the surface level I'm going here. But we've got to understand that there are ways that God speaks. Um, our theology here, uh, we need to be really clear on that, is that the Bible obviously and, and is a key method of God speaking to us, but at the, uh, God still has things to say. I know there are theological spectrums where at one end it's saying, well, God has nothing else to say anymore. It's all written in the Word of God. And what he said remains true. It's never not true. But God still speaks to us. God still communicates. What relationship would you have with someone who refuses to communicate with you? Uh, it's a loving relationship. There's dialogue going back and forward there. So the primary ways that God speaks is uh, predominantly through Scripture. That's a, that's a, you can always guarantee uh, what God has said is what God has said. And he's not saying now what he didn't say, say then. So when you're reading Scripture, it can't say to us now what it wasn't saying then. We've got to be very careful about the, what we call the hermeneutic of, of interpreting God's word. There are ways to read and acknowledge that. So God, the scriptures, Psalm 190, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. So if you want to know what God is saying, immerse yourself in what God has already said. It's just a great principle for life. So he speaks through scripture, obviously. He speaks through prayer. I love, uh, I love the book of Acts. We're going through it at night. And if you ever want to have just a great... Uh, experience of, of verse by verse uh, going through the, we're going through Acts at night at the, in the 5pm service and I've been pushing the guys as we do that, it's got to apply to life, we're not just reading a verse and teaching where how does it transform and we find the book of Acts has been fantastic but I can't wait till the point we get to Acts chapter 4 where Peter and John have been, uh, they've been whipped and told to stop talking and, uh, and they go straight to prayer with all the other disciples and they're praying away and they're saying, God, consider their threats. This is their prayer. Consider all the threats. They're telling us to, to shut this thing down. But we're not going to shut it down. You're giving us a green light and we don't see a red one. We're going for it. God, give us the boldness to do what you've called us to do. And the faith that comes from that prayer rattles the building, you know, and, and they're suddenly full of the Holy Spirit again. And, they, and it says they were, they were full of the Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. As he, as he, it wasn't just a one-way dialogue in prayer. God spoke back and did things as well. It's powerful. Another way God speaks to us is through his body, the church, um, where 
we all have a calling, some have a gift of wisdom, some prophetic. Um, we all have the ability to hear from God. Jesus said, my sheep will hear my voice. And so often the body of Christ will just sometimes recreationally, sometimes reflexively, sometimes intentionally, sometimes not, can bring wisdom and speak into things. And as Paul says, we have together the mind of Christ. And so there is something special about this gathering of God's people. There's more, there's uh, things like revelation, which um, some people find a little bit scary, but you'll find in the New Testament as well as the Old, there are dreams, there are visions, there are revelation. Paul talked very clearly about the revelations that God gave him directly. Um, And so we we need to be careful how we interpret these sorts of things because we can get it completely wrong. uh, Because with visions and dreams, there's the revelation, there's the interpretation piece, and then there's the application piece. And so different people seem to have different giftings at different parts of that. But this is all a valid part of New Testament life. And third, uh, finally, circumstance of all things. And I'm not talking about, oh, this, something happened, oh, it had to be God. It's a God thing. You know, you've probably heard that way too many times. But just that, that unquestioning providence where you just see no one could have opened this door except God. No one could have done this except God. The, the devil's not that smart. The world's not that smart. Only God could do this. And you just say this is unquestionably a door or something that God has done. And so he speaks to us through all these ways. But the key in the New Testament context for all of us, we're not in the Old Testament anymore. We're in the New Testament. So everything about God's relationship with us is done through the context of his spirit within us. This is a relational guidance. It's not like the Old Testament where they had uh, the linen ephod, they, they had uh, seemed to be far more angelic visitation, there was prophetic voice with a capital P, all those sorts of things. Now we're a prophetic community and together we had that mind of Christ. And so all God's guidance comes through the context of relationship. Okay, so I realise I've, I've skimmed that pretty, pretty thinly, but this is standard evangelical theology which we would uphold to here. What I want to talk to us more about is uh, not, not the theology as much as uh, the praxis of this, which is based on good theology. On the foundation of that theology, that God speaks, he still speaks to us, does it through the body of Christ, does it through the scriptures and so on. It's what are his ways? How can we hear more? Can we hear more? Is he got more to say than I'm able to pick up? Uh, and this is the, the great journey we get to, um, to live. So I want to talk about the three ways very quickly, the three clearest forms of, or ways of communication or modes of communication that God has for us. What's he trying to say, not how does he say it. What is God trying to talk to us about? What is the Spirit trying to do in us to reveal uh, God's ways and purposes in our life? And the first one is the priority of establishing God's character. God talks to us a lot about who he is. Now, this may, you may have never heard this before, but read the Scriptures. Look at the bias towards what God says and look at the weighting of what he says about himself. He wants to reveal, and Jesus said the Spirit comes to reveal Christ. Uh, The the guidance that God has, so much of it, and and it seems to be so little of what we hear, is the actual essence and the character of who God is and how that changes our life. John chapter 4 says we know and rely on this love that God has for us. Our faith is based in the character of this God. And he, and he would love to share more and deeply with us according, in accordance with that character. He is the God who heals us. He is the first and the last. He says, I am the provider. He's, he's the counsellor. He's the giver of all peace. This God who is within wants to reveal himself to you through the Spirit, particularly as we listen closely to him. And so this is an important mode. Another way that God 
Or another priority of his communication is God's ways. He talks about his character, but he also communicates about his ways. Uh, Kate was, gave a verse before uh, from the Psalms, and it's, I don't know whether you picked it up, that Israel knew of God's deeds, Moses knew of God's ways. There's a very subtle difference between being a spectator of God and, and someone who's playing sort of in the realm with him. There's a difference between observing and knowing his ways and cooperating with that. Moses was invited, as we are, to do a, a discovery of God's ways. How does he work? What's he up to? And almost sometimes we get a clarity of why. And so his ways, are, I've got two quick modes here. His ways are particularly his promises to us. God's ways are that he gives us promises and we rely on those promises. So you'll see right through uh, the scriptures front to back, the consistency of promises like I am with you. He, he just keeps playing on that ground uh, and reinstating I am with you, I am with you. Uh, he tells us he'll give us the, the words that we need. He, he promises that he'll give us peace. These are the ways of God. He, he releases those promises over our life. But then he also gives us as, as part of his ways the pragmatics, if I can put it that way, of how to navigate life with him. So he, starts, he talks to us, if we've got ears to hear, about the principles of life. So you'll see, again, through Scripture, the examples where he'll say things like, I want you to trust me, wait on God, uh, go because I've, I've commanded you to go, and so on. So the pragmatics of his ways are often in the form of a challenge. So you may find when you're having a, your devotional quiet time with God, you'll find this challenge will come, which are really the ways of God as they apply to your situation right now. You may be in anguish, you may be full of fear, all these sorts of things, and you come before God and he says, let me release to you my ways. I'm calling you now to trust in me, to have faith in me. I'm calling you to go, or I'm calling you to wait. And again, it's all in the context of relationship. So there's that pragmatic side of what his ways are. His character, his ways, thirdly, his purposes. And this is where I want to start to really focus today because this is a prayer most of us pray. You know, when we're saying, God, where do I go? What do I do? What are you calling me? T tell me left, tell me right, tell me to jump, how high, whatever it is, whatever our mode is for doing that. He does want to reveal to us his purposes for us in life. And, uh, but without a formation of knowing his character and his ways, this, can, this is where it can go quite wrong for us. Because if we aren't based in the depth and foundation of relationship with him, if that invitation to intimacy hasn't been taken up, um, we don't understand his character, we don't have an idea of the ways of God, we can get all sorts of different ways that we're perceiving his purpose. And we can even come to God a bit like a, an idol. We can come to God as if he's an object. We used to do that before I was a Christian. We all, because every human being wants guidance. How's life going to work out for me? You'll see them read the Zodiac, don't they? You start saying, oh, I'm a, I'm a Libra or I'm a Taurus or whatever those things are. What are, they, what are my stars today? Or tarot cards or numbers or all the different things. The human soul is looking for guidance outside of itself. And a Christian can fall into this trap. If we're not in deep relationship with God, we can be coming to him like an idol. and going, I don't want to know you particularly, but just tell me which way to go. So we idolise God in that way. You can see how, why the importance of the spirit relationship in us. He's, we're coming to him relationally, not looking for a formula, not looking for a, a, a mindless sort of slot machine where I put 20 cents in and I get guidance out, like a, like a fortune cookie or something. So his purposes for our life 
roll out in accordance with this relationship and in accordance with things like faith and obedience and so on. So I want to roll this out in the life of Paul from the book of Acts in, in Acts chapter 16. And we can just start to see how God begins to guide him in real time in this life and how it affects the way he goes. But what I want to do is use a, a scripture that really emphasizes how he does that in the context of relationship and a preeminent purpose that was already on his life. Okay, let's go. Paul and his companion, companions, Paul and his, sound like minions, Paul and his minions, uh, Paul and his com- com- companions, I can't even say it's late, it's like Sunday morning. It's, Paul and his companions travelled throughout the region of Phygria and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit. Interesting, isn't it? They were kept by the Holy Spirit. How did he do that? Did they walk into a glass wall? I mean, what's that all about? Have you ever felt kept from something by the Holy Spirit? So having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Now, it's hard for me not to just stop all the time and drill down. But God had told them to go and preach the word. Now the Holy Spirit was telling them to stop and not preach the word. Which one is it, God? Well, it depends on the context. The relationship guides us into how to apply the command. Kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, uh, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas, During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, he got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding, I wonder why, (laughs) concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So it's like, stop, stop, go. And uh, it's almost like Paul was... was, uh, was hot to trot, he received his guidance and he was just going for it and we see this mode begin to happen. But why was he out there at all? Why was he doing this? Why did the Spirit have to tell him to stop? Which seems outrageous to us. Why? Well, because God had already guided them, just as he's already guided you and I. There are so many standing promises. There are so many standing commands. Go and preach the gospel to all. Go and make disciples of all nations and so on. They're there. So, but God had guided Paul specifically from the moment he became a Christian, Acts 9.15, uh, we, we see this promise that he gave. And um, it was given, first of all, to, to um, uh, who was the guy? Ananias. Yes, Ananias. The Lord said to Ananias, go, talking about who was then Saul then, Paul, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. So this is way back, pretty much the day he got saved, there's this promise over Paul's life while he was still sitting there in confusion and he hadn't even heard the promise at that point. He was just wondering what on earth's going on. But this was spoken over him that this was his calling, this was his destiny for his life, that God had designed him and, and built him to preach the word to the Gentiles, not the Jews that he was so educated, so qualified to talk to. All of that was for that. And he was the direct promise of that. Then later on, about 10 or 11 years later, in Acts 13, he got a specific pathway. So I want, what I want to do is give us a framework today, because not only did we receive the promises, he also lays out a pathway for us to, to live on. So the specific pathway came in Acts 13, 11 years later or so, while they were worshipping, so he's in a church service in Antioch, while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. 
So there's an 11-year gap here. And so he's had the promise over his life, and now God says, now here is the pathway. There's no specifics about it. It's just like, here is the way I want you to be going, and now is the time to do it. Get on with the journey. So this, this was the guidance that Paul had had leading up to this moment where we see him where God's saying, stop there, stop there, go there. So there's a promise, then there's a pathway, and then there's this third element that we've read in depth in Acts 16 where there's a, a purposeful assignment that's given. Now, the assignment comes, and this is the key, the assignment comes, the, the red light, green light thing. It comes while they were going, while they were at, in life, doing life in the pathway that God had set for them. So the promise had come, he creates the pathway, go out and, and start speaking to the Gentiles, start building churches throughout Asia. They're on that pathway, and in that context only do the specifics come about the assignment. And the assignment starts and the assignment's finished. There's a red light, there's a green light. Go there, now go there. See, we're often looking for that part, but we're not on the pathway. And, and we, we think, what if, well, it shouldn't matter. I don't know what this pathway for my life is, and I can live in whatever way I want to, and if God's got something to say, he's going to let me know. Well, yes, he can, but it's supposed to be within the context that we're on the journey that he's designed for us to be on already. So this is the ways of God. So we want to delve deep now. God's calling and guidance for your life. There's a promise, there's a pathway, and then there are specific purposes in which he leads us. Which one is your calling in life? Well, all of it. See, God's calling is not an assignment. They're very different things. God called us to start this church four years ago. Is this my calling in life? Well, it's, it's an assignment. Normally, assignments have a beginning and an end of some sort. Um, you would have had many assignments in your life. Uh, but not, they don't all, in, their, in just their singularity, make up your calling because your calling is not what you do. Your calling is who you are becoming. Your calling is the character of who God's formed you to be. Now, most of us actually, knowing or unknowing, live in this pathway that we're on. Uh, it's a path where it's got boundaries. The boundaries essentially are scripture. You know what to do. He has shown you, O oh man, what, to, what is good, to, to love, mercy, walk humbly, before your God. This, we know the general boundaries of our walk with God and we know who we are. We're, we're, we've been made a certain way, I've got certain experience, I'm on a certain context, I have a family, a job, a career, all that kind of stuff. We're on this pathway that we sense God's got for us. And Paul would look at that and say, this is essentially, if you look through Paul's eyes, this is what he would call the green light zone. It's not, he's not looking uh, for green lights, he's trying to observe red lights because he's going. Right? And this pathway that God has you on, there's so much of it could be regarded as the green light zone. Most of us think in terms of the red light zone. Lord, do you want me to go on mission? I can't see the, the green light. Why? Because you already have the green light. God, are you asking me to be generous to the church and give my gifts and talents? And, and hang on, the lights are already green. It's just like go, just get on with it sort of thing, you know. We feel like we're sitting in a red light waiting for the green, but we're actually on green and we should be looking out for red every now and again, as Paul was. He was going for it. And within the boundaries of the pathway that God had him on, he was free to make choices and experiment and do different things as you are. And now and again, God will intervene and go, hang on, let's need you to just, you're getting ahead of me here, just go over this way for a while. I've got something else for you to do. So you're living in this green light zone. And the principle to, to live by there is that the lights, so many of our lights in life are green until you see red. It's not the other way around. You don't need to pray as, as often as we seem to do for guidance because the guidance has already been given. 
You are who God's made you to be. He's got you in a context. That is the context for you to live out your calling, your mission, to evangelize, to share, and all those sorts of things. So let me break it down a little bit more. Time's great. I've got plenty of time. Stage one is the promise. Now, the promise of God over your life. I had a promise when I was 22, I think. It was a long while ago. I forget the digits. Oh, I was pretty young. I'd been a Christian three years. And basically, I had a promise over my life that I'd go into ministry as a full-time Christian worker. I had no idea what that meant. Just knew I was completely inadequate for it. And this little black duck shouldn't be let anywhere near real human beings. That's all I knew. But the promise was there. And what do you do about that other than just want to go... I don't know what to do. It's like it's too big. And this is when the promise of God comes over your life. Normally, there'll be a sense of this is far too big for me. And I've heard so many prophetic words and, and, uh, over people's life where you, you hear God give a promise over their life. And the person, and, and often the person giving the word, and those around are going, really? That's, that guy? That's massive. Um, because God's looking not from here. He's looking from here is a calling that I've got on their life and he's looking from this perspective because we don't know all the things that he's going to do. We don't know how much expansion he's going to put in our character and our skills and, and opportunities. So he's speaking from forever, saying, here's who I've called you to be. And we think, man, I'm just a young guy or girl. I haven't got this stuff. Yeah, but one day you will. And the promise comes over our life. And that promise may be public. Some of us here will recall a time in your little highlight reel, of the promises of God over your life. And they, they come public and sometimes very clear, but not all the time. Some of us, the promises of God have been very, very private, uh, very covert, and it feels more like an unrelenting sense of calling to a group of people or to a function. You haven't, you haven't had this obviousness about it. It's just this, I can't not do this. Uh, and that's valid. There doesn't need to be some public declaration of God's promise over your life. He knows what to say to you and how, and how to get through to you. Some of us have heard nothing. Some of us have no idea of the promises of God over our life. And that is okay too. Let me just let that burden off your shoulders if you're one of those sorts of people. Um, you, you just find yourself on the pathway of life and you're being fruitful, and you're open to God's leading, but you find there's, there's joy in that, there's a sense of purpose and calling in that, but you, you can't remember a time of clarity where there was a, a real promise of that over your life. And it's interesting, I always thought there had to be a promise. You know, the, the young version of me had it all in a very small box, you know. But I've spoken to a number of um, ministers in my life, some of the internationally renowned, the world-famous ones that you would know about. And I would ask them, or, or, or read their stories, where, was the, where did you receive the promise? When, when did God call you? They, and more often than not, they would say, I never actually got that call. These are the guys that you, you read their books and you, you listen to their audio, the whole thing, and a whole bunch of them will tell you they, they have no clarity or a time and space when God spoke to them and said, this is the calling on your life. They just couldn't help but do it. it, just, it because the calling is not defined by words. The calling is who you are. It's who you're becoming. It's what you can't help doing. It's what you can't help being, especially when God's Spirit is motivating you to do that. And so we don't have to get hung up on whether I've had a promise in my life. But here's a warning for those of us who did get the promise. I was one. The promise normally precedes a very long delay. It's like, let the buyer beware. If you've got a really clear promise on your life, normally that means, why would God do that when he doesn't do it for everybody? Because you're going to need it, sucker. 
Because you've got a pathway coming in front of you that's going to stretch everything about you and sometimes all you've got left to hang on to is the promise. And if you didn't have the promise, you'd give up and go the other way. You look at scripture and the, the consistency of this. Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, 25 years before, God comes to him and says, I'm going to make you a great nation, baby. I'm going to bless you. Whoever blesses you, I will bless and so on. It's like you're the world builder. He's going, fantastic. 25 years. Why? Because the promise doesn't mean you're ready. The promise is an invitation to become the person who can live in that promise. The pathway comes after that. The anointing is a long way from the appointing. The calling comes, and then God has to create in you the person of calling. And so, yeah, let the, let the buyer beware. Don't be too eager to seek the promises in clarity about what, what your destiny is. Just become it. Just walk in faith and peace and fruitfulness. So that's the promise. The second bit is the pathway. Now, you should be able to relate to this pretty easily because we're basically all on this pathway of calling that God's created you for. It's the daily walk. It's the extended journey of being on that path. It's where God equips you to be and to become the person to fulfill all that he has for you. And even when the promise is fulfilled that we may have received, the pathway continues. I'm in this weird position where uh, pretty much every promise that God's given over my life that's definable has actually already been fulfilled. So I'm either going to die soon, uh, which is, you know, or I'm just going to keep going. Or I don't need a promise in that sort of form because I'm on the, on the path and off we go. Who knows? This is up to God. I, I, I don't go where I don't belong, you know. But um, the funny thing about the pathway and the promise is that the promise sometimes is an offer more than an order. And so all of Israel was called out of Egypt, but only two made it. So the pathway is there, and the pathway does not come with its own sense of inevitability that I'm going to get to the promised land. The pathway is designed to help you grow in your reliance on God, to live with him, to learn God's ways so you can become that person. If we choose recalcitrantly, recalcitrantly, I won't say it again, to not learn if we choose to not obey, if we choose not to walk in his ways, there's no inevitability about that promise because the promise comes with conditions that you'll be walking with him because you can't do the promise on your own. And so the pathway equips us to walk with him. It's a very sober. Paul talks about this in his writings. He says all those things happened to them as a, as a, as a lesson for us who would come later, that we would walk in his ways and live according to the promise and that what it would, would require so how does God speak to us on this pathway, which most of us are on? It's, it's, it's fascinating when you begin to learn this, you see it in Scripture and, and apply it yourself. Well, often he'll talk to us about how to walk that pathway well. And so this is where Scripture, again, becomes a foundation. It's a, his word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path while I'm on the pathway. The word of God, whether he's breathing specifically through it or not, will always give us the boundary markers of how we're to behave, how to think, uh, and all those sorts of things. It's God's moral will, it's God's revealed will for you is to live in accordance with Scripture. Another way that he speaks to us is, uh, unfortunately for some, through silence. He speaks through not speaking. He fulfills his will by not letting us know particularly sometimes what, it, what, what his will might be. And what he's doing, there's, there's a whole lesson here about the manifestation and the hiddenness of God. And when God chooses to hide himself He's not hiding himself 
uh, from you. He's hiding himself for you. Because in the hiding, it incites seeking. And remember, all of this is a relational context. Your life with God is about relationships, so he will want to draw you into a deeper relationship. How does someone do that? Sometimes by just taking a step further away so you're, you're forced to come and seek more. Seek first the kingdom. And so sometimes in that silence, take it not as God ignoring you, take it as an invitation. He's inviting you into a deeper walk with him. Thirdly, he, he, he speaks to us on this pathway in this, I gave you the phrase before, in terms of offers that aren't always orders. An offer that's not an order. Quite often you'll see on the, on the pathway of life, you'll be, you'll be going through and you'll see a, a, like a, one of God's road signs. Turn right here. You know, down, if you choose right now, if you choose this path, there's blessing there, there's fruitfulness, there's a path for you that I'm with you on that path. But for whatever reason, um, we don't always seem to take that path. Something conspired against us or, or we think, no, it's just not right for me at this time. And, and because we're on this pathway, we realise, oh, there was a window of opportunity there and I sort of, oh, I wish I'd taken that right turn. Has anyone ever had that sense where you think, oh, I think God created an opportunity and I, I think I might have missed it? And we beat ourselves up and we go, that's never coming back again and, and we worry. But recognise what's happening there. God makes offers that aren't always orders. He says, there's an invitation for you. There's something over here you might be interested in. There's a whole realm of fruitfulness and calling. But if we, you know, if after we've been praying and we look at our life, we think, no, that's probably not for me just now. I think I'll, I'll keep going on the pathway. God is still with you. Unless you hear direct clarity of God and saying, and I want you to go and do this thing now, which we'll talk about in a moment, then there's a, there's a degree of ambiguity, there's a, a degree of choice that we don't need to beat ourselves up against. If we're living in accordance with the boundaries of Scripture on that pathway, we're doing what we know to be right. We're not crystal clear on the guidance. Is this an order or is it an offer? I'm not really sure. And Trish and I, throughout our lives, we've had many of these offers that aren't orders. Offers to go and do this, offers to go and do that. And we could have probably said yes. I'm pretty sure that we, if we'd have said yes, God would have been with us. They would have been to go into other churches and do other things. You know, they've been out there. Sometimes they seem incredibly clear. And yet, as we process it, I'll give you an example. I can see that we're, I can sense the confusion. <laughs> we, um, once um, we got an invitation to pastor a church. And um, the, the elders there had, had, had a dream, and the dream seemed pretty clear. This was an invitation uh, to Pat and Trish Hegarty to come and take over this church and so on. Um, the, the senior minister at the time, he'd, he'd said years before that, that uh, Pat and Trish were the ones I would love to come and take over this church. And it would have been great. It was up at the beach. It's like, I don't even need God to speak to you, man. I'm just, I'm there. You know, pastor of church on the beach, baby? It's like, I'm in heaven, you know. But we're in a situation with our life where our kids were at a critical age. Their relationships at school and they were just going into their work life and, and it was just critical that they needed some stability and it just, as Trish and I prayed to us, it just didn't seem like the choice that we should make at that point. We, we saw it as an offer but not an order. And we could have taken it and I, we don't know how it would have worked out. No doubt the ministry would have been great but, but I'm just not sure how it would have worked out for our family. And so we sense God's blessing on, on the decision, either way. And so you'll find these moments in your life. Now, that church hasn't rung me back and asked me again, right? The window of opportunity has gone now. 
Um, and so someone else has taken that role on and they're, they're having a great and fruitful ministry. So this is what I'm talking about. These can be the ways of God. Why does he do that? Why can't he just tell us left or right? Because he's not treating you as a slave anymore. Galatians 5, Romans 8, he's treating you like a son and a daughter. Let's do this thing together. Let's work this thing out. There's a degree of wisdom. There's a degree of choice going on here. You're not God's slave. He wants to work this out with us relationally. And so this is that crazy life that's on the pathway. Um, But the pathway is the context for for those more clarifying directions of purpose. So Paul, in the scripture that we read out, he was getting crystal clear guidance, wasn't he? How? Because he was committed to the pathway that God had already given him. The promise was clear. He was dedicated to the path and doing it God's way. So within the context of that dedication, God could speak clearly to him. Because he wasn't sitting in a red light waiting for a green. He was going in the green looking for the red. So it's a very different way of life. So let's talk about these defined purpose statements. The assignments that God gives us. It's, it's for those living in faithfulness on that pathway. So I'll just go back on the verse again. It's verse 9 in Acts 16. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, and this is the key for us, if we're going to get these specific bits of guidance, after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once. If God gives you an assignment, normally it means go, now. It's very different to a promise, which has a long delay. Assignments are now, it starts here, and it will finish here. Trish and I, and I've shared this story so many times, but in the moment where God spoke very clearly to me out in the cafe out there, about uh, taking on this idea of Kenmore Church. Everything within me didn't want to do it. I've got to tell you, I, I had a life on another side of town. I was, it was okay. So, so it was going to take a lot to, to, to shift house again and do all that sorts of stuff. But the, the guidance was so clear. You've been on this path for 15 years. This is the next step. Get on with it. He has no sense of humour with me at all. I just I thought, couldn't you wrap it, Lord, in a bit more love and a bit more, I know it's going to be tough for your pad. No, it was get on with it. So what did we do? Trish and I, that night, uh, we had no written contract, we had no written offer, we had nothing except a a conversation and God's very clear word, so I resigned on the spot. I had to, that's the response of faith, that's the response of God's guidance and his assignment. It upset a lot of people, I lost a lot of friends by doing that, I lost even more coming over here, don't worry about that, but but you've got to do what God calls you to do, regardless of the cost, and you've got to do it when he tells you to do it. So if, if we want this sort of specific guidance, you can't say, oh, now let me go away and pray about that. Let me go and discern whether this is the right thing for my life or not. No, it's direct, it's clear. And every time you see this in Scripture, there's no ambiguity about these moments. You're sure it's God, you, you know what he said, and you have to follow it immediately. So who wants to hear from God this morning? <laughs> Who's ready? Next week, we talk about the ramifications of this. The ramifications of a God experience are what uh, we'll call a crisis of belief because you're going to have to change your whole lifestyle normally to accommodate the path that God has us on if he speaks that clearly. And yet I'm firmly of the belief that he has these assignments for us. But we've got to square away. Am I going to bow to the altar of comfort and, and convenience and all the other little gods I've got set up in my life like like idols on a, on a shelf, you know, all the things I bow to. When he speaks, he wants us to go straight away and do it. And it might start as small as I want you to go and speak to that person over there, I want you to pray for them, I have a word for them. 
oh, hang on, let's, oh, no, you know. No, go. And that's the culture of the kingdom. We listen. We, we, sometimes we hear the promise. We're all on a pathway. But now and again, this, this uh, red light, green light thing happens where God guides us. And it's thrilling and it's scary, you know. But it's, uh, it's the only way to live. I've seen so many lives now changed. So many lives. I cannot count the amount of lives that we've seen through over the years through people just being willing to hear that small voice and obey on the spot and see lives changed. It's so powerful. How long since you've heard from God? Is it too long? I'm not sure it's supposed to be as long as it, as it is for so many of us, myself included. So let's pray as the band comes up. Let's pray and invite God into that space. Thank you.